0: Hello and welcome. I'm Susie Jones and you are listening to Your Money. If you are listening at any time and you have a question for Peg or Bruce, you can call 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. That number is one 86 advice You can also email your questions to yourmoney@wealthenhancement.com. And right now, you can call or text our studio line at 651-461-9226. Here is Senior Vice President and Financial Advisor Peg Webb and the founder of Wealth Enhancement Group and Financial Advisor, Bruce Helmer.
1: Hello to both of you. Good morning, everyone.
2: Hello, Peg Webb. Thank you, Susie Jones. Hey, uh, Peg and Susie, uh, the the topic today... Uh, is a look ahead to the fourth quarter. We're officially in October. It's the last quarter of the year. But Peg, um, I know we're going to talk about certain things that from a planning perspective are smart to do in the fourth quarter of the year. And that's true whether times are good or times are not so good. But I think we would be remiss if we didn't just at least briefly talk about how the first three quarters have gone this year because it's been really bad. People, people listening right now are going, why are you laughing, you dope? Shut up. It's It's been horrible. Uh, we're in a bear market stock-wise. It's uh, uh, interest rates, uh, mortgage rates are, are twice what they were a year ago. Inflation is the highest it's been in years. It's over uh, 8%. Government bond prices uh, are falling. Just everything you look at right now seems negative. And, and and a lot of people think it's going to get worse before it gets better. That remains to be seen. But I think, you know, and, and, and listeners, call in today if you're nervous, if you have specific questions about the market or about interest rates. But, Peg, I think people want to know what should they be doing and... Sometimes they even say, and don't tell me just to stand pat. I don't, I, that's not an answer. Give me something I, I can use. So with all that as kind of a foreshadow, let's go in and look at what to do in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah. So in the fourth quarter, um, you know, before we had this, this last couple of weeks, of course, we prepare way ahead for our outlines uh, for this show. But, you know, fourth quarter, we are going to be talking about increasing your savings as one. And people might say, what are you saying? Inflation, um, my accounts are way down. So um, we're going to generally talk, though, about how there might be places that maybe you don't know that you could save. And then planning for long-term care. Um, November is long-term care month. So I just want to highlight, Bruce, uh, some of the reminders that people should know about long-term care, whether you're an existing long-term care policyholder, or if you're contemplating buying it. And then, of course, December is uh, wrapping up the year uh, with the, the thought of giving to charity. And because of the volatility this year uh, in the marketplace, and I might as well mention, you know, Hurricane Ian just happened and you, you've you all of you listening are watching the television and just the massive destruction that happened um, earlier this week. Lots of listeners, Bruce, know that I do have a place in Florida and um, I just want to thank everybody because I'm getting lots of emails. You know, how are you? Is your place okay? And I'm happy to report that it is okay. I mean, uh, the, we did have sustained winds for, you know, 40 miles an hour for a couple days. Um, we still don't have Internet where I would be lost, right? I'm in Minnesota right now, so I would be lost without my Internet. But there's lots of people with no power, and so I, I wanted to mention that in connection with charity because I know the Red Cross and a lot of people, a lot of charities out there are already asking us to, to help with the uh, reconstruction of southwest florida so that was just kind of a recap bruce
2: yeah and you know um i I i have a good example how you know we always talk about don't worry about things you can't control because you can't control them And, you know, and I and we give the stock market as an example or interest rates or tax policy and other public policy. Those are things we can't control, but there's a lot of things we can. So here and it's amazing the technology that they knew this hurricane was coming, you know, two weeks before it actually hits. They don't know the specifics because things can change at the last second, but all the early forecast had it, you know, had kind of Tampa Bay area in the bullseye, and my places, our places in Clearwater Beach. So my wife was freaking out about the hurricane, and I'm like, and I was not, and she's like, how can you be so calm? And I'm like, Pamela, I can't do anything about it. The, it's, the hurricane's going to do what it's going to do. All we can do is take all the precautions we need to take, and if something happens, we'll, you know, we'll fix it, we'll react to it, whatever, but I can't do anything about it, so I can't worry about it. But also, for her, it was partly the second part of it, Peg, that then we were blessed and, and the change passed and it didn't hit where, where we have a place. But then she's watching on the news and while she's relieved and grateful that we didn't get hit, she's feeling bad for all these people and, you know, and, and she wants to do something. So, yeah, yeah, so there's some things that we did to, to help also because it's, you know, I think unless you see it you know, with your own eyes, you can't even believe it
1: yeah i i know and um unfortunately it it uh nature decides what it's going to do and where so uh the yeah. other thing before we get into our outline too I wanted to to talk a little bit about we had an investment committee meeting on Friday, and i was i'm a member of that committee, and you know we talked about the markets and you know how volatile they are. And, you know, what, as a firm, are we going to, to, how are we going to position our assets? Um, What do we think short-term? What do we think long-term? And they actually had a slide that I took a picture of because it's kind of interesting. You know, the last three years, we've been through a lot, right? It was actually December 31st of 2019 that everything was calm. And then all of a sudden, you know, February we started to hear rumblings about this COVID. And, you know, from December 31st, 2019 to February 19th, 2020, not even two months, the stock market, the S&P 500 was already up 5%. Well, then we found out about COVID. And of course, it is short 30 days. The market was down 34%. I'm mentioning this because we, we're, we're going through some volatility right now. But then here's the dramatic part. From March 23 to September twenty-seventh, the market was up 70%. Um, and then the last stat I want to give you is, okay, we went through all that. We look at our portfolio values as of December thirty-first, 2019, to the present, September 27, 2022. And the S&P 500 is up 18 percent now i know you mentioned on here before bruce but that's an average of six percent per year on your stocks and it happens to match you know what we do in a lot of our financial forecasts um, for our clients now that doesn't take into consideration fixed income it doesn't take into consideration international positions but just generally, Bruce, I wanted to walk through that because I think sometimes we forget that things are still positive over a certain period of time. And we always, always want to just look at our most recent statement, like year end of last year, and say, where did my money go? So um, so let me jump into October because I said, oh, you might be able to save more. Well, the IRS typically changes the tax brackets. They change, Bruce, what you and I can put in our 401k, or, uh, you know, listeners that have a 403b, you know, there's estate planning and gift tax thresholds that change. And the really big one is, is Social Security is touting increasing 8.7%. And so when it comes to that Social Security, uh, we're actually going to have Rhonda Whiteneck on, um, I think it's November 6th, Bruce. She's going to be on live with us.
2: I think that's right. <laughs> and,
1: yeah, November 6th. And she is fantastic. So I would already say mark your calendar for November 6th because we will have open lines to talk to Rhonda and any questions you may have. But we had 5.9% the year before. and And what's really neat about this year, though, is Uh, Medicare brackets are not going to change and go slightly, possibly down. So getting an 8.7 on top of uh, your Social Security now would be fantastic. And then the other thing that uh, we look at in October is, uh, you know, the actual brackets. And so the federal brackets um, in 2023 are expected to climb 50,000 for married couples. So what that just means is that they're allowing you to have more dollars before you jump into another bracket. So more dollars of income. Um, and then lastly, the retirement uh, contributions that we can make. So you know your traditional IRA or your Roth IRA. That's actually going up um, to six thousand five hundred in 2023, and that's uh, six thousand now. And then the big one really is in your 401k. If you can afford to max out, it's going from 20500 to 22500 and that's 2000 bucks. And then if you're over 50, you get to put in another $1,000 um, extra beyond what we could do this year. Bruce?
2: Yeah, and, and those are all good things for savers and investors. And then it comes back to kind of how we started the show and uh, we talk about saving and investing more, and people are going, are you crazy? Haven't you seen what's happened to the market? But again, I would challenge everybody, and, and I know you know this intellectually, listeners, everybody understands when you invest that the, the goal is to buy low and sell high. So the markets are down, you know, depending upon which index you look at, somewhere in the neighborhood now of 25% from the high. And I don't know what will happen the next few weeks or months. Nobody does. They might go even lower. A lot of people think they will. Uh, It's not as bad as 2008 yet, and I don't think it's going to get that bad. But it might go lower. I don't know. What I do know is it's 25% cheaper than what it was from its height. To me, this is absolutely a buying opportunity. If you have cash and you have the ability to put money, more money into your IRAs, Roth IRAs, 401Ks in the stock market, you absolutely should do it. There's probably not gonna be very many better times than right now because the market actually is down. Again, I'm not saying it can't go lower, I'm saying, I like our chances. And I think what happens, Peg, is every time there's a big retraction like this, some people think this time it's different and it's never going to come back. But history tells us every retraction we've ever had has been followed by a recovery where the market goes higher than where it was before the retraction. And I think this will not be any different.
1: Yes, I think um, there's so many events uh, that happen all the time, but we tend to be very narrow-minded at the moment about what's going on in the world at this time the other thing I wanted to add because I don't want to forget is Roth conversion so if you have IRAs that are taxable uh, now is the time to consider getting those over into Roth IRAs and how do you do that well you can just take your shares that you have in your IRA and let's say they're a hundred percent in the stock market and you're saying whoa well, I can't, I don't want to sell those. So There's 25% down. Well, you can go into a very similar, maybe identical um, Roth IRA and just take those shares and deposit it in a tax free account. Yes, you will have to claim that on your income tax for 2022. But I have to tell you, in my history of doing Roth conversions, if you can do them when the market's down, And what I do have some clients doing, Bruce, is they're doing some at a time. So they might, they're almost like dollar cost averaging into their Roth, meaning that you could even convert into a Roth this year, get the shares in the Roth, but then you could actually dollar cost average into buying the shares. So you just go into the Roth with a money market and then buy those shares maybe monthly. Maybe quarterly, because we do believe it's probably going to remain volatile, but then you could get um, that positive uh, on your side as well. So, once again, it's going to cost you tax money, but what a great time uh, and what a great investment to try to get your buckets in alignment, Bruce.
2: Um, anything else for, uh, for October or are you, uh, are you ready to move to November?
1: I think we move to November. So November, November is long-term care month, and the statistics um, are just going up and up and up about how many adults are receiving care, um, you know, what's the average age of a caregiver, that's 46, 92% of family caregivers report that they have a major change in their work because they're helping their parents. Or relatives Um, so long-term care uh, long-term care is just that it could be uh, you as a as a son or daughter taking care of your parents and caring for them well that's as they get older it's long-term care a lot of times people will say oh are you going to talk about that long-term care insurance well long-term care insurance um, assists people in that if you're willing to pay a premium to an insurance company, then you can pick up the phone and call them and have them do a lot of the jobs or the um, care that you would take of your parents. And one of the things that we witness as comprehensive financial planners is let's say a client has a million dollars and it's liquid. And um, it would be almost like having an insurance on your million-dollar house, right? Are you going to take out an insurance policy for the what-if? Most people do. Uh, When you have a mortgage, you know, the mortgage company mandates it. But if you've got your house paid for you don't necessarily have to buy a hoity-toity insurance policy. So when it comes to long-term care insurance, um, people would like to maybe have that million dollars be a legacy. So buying an insurance policy, long-term care, may then give them the confidence that the the money that they've worked so hard to save will go to their children one day. So that's just one of the uh, positives. And then on the back side of it, I have to tell you, Bruce, and I'm sure you have this too, I send out income to my clients for whatever they need it for. And I have more and more clients, um, I have to send 10,000 to $12,000 a month for their care. So you can, you can suddenly see how quickly their million dollars would deplete, um, if they end up having that care for some time, Bruce.
2: Yeah. And this is a tough one to talk about and people don't like to talk about it, but, you know, avoiding it isn't going to solve the problem, um. So what we say is everyone needs to do long-term care planning. Not everyone should buy long-term care insurance. It might be cost prohibitive. You might have health issues. Maybe you don't have enough assets that the cost of the insurance is worth trying to protect in your situation. Maybe you have so many assets you can self-insure and you're not worried about it. But I I will volunteer that I'm an owner of long-term care insurance And my rationale was exactly what you just talked about, Peg. I want to leave a bigger legacy to my kids, to my loved ones. I don't want a lot of my net worth, you know, paying for an extended health care need. And and I know the statistical averages. If once you reach age 65, I think there's a 70% chance that you will need long-term care at some point in your life. Now, how long you'll need it uh, could vary from days to decades but the average need i believe is 28 months and i believe the average cost you mentioned you know 10 to 12,000 there's a lot of ways you can get this care from in home health care to nursing care to adult day you know, all all these options but i think the average cost is still somewhere in the neighborhood of 7500 bucks a month well simple math statistical average tells me 28 months times $7,500. On average, that's an out-of-pocket cost of $210,000. If I live to be 120, i am not going to spend $210,000 on long-term care premium. So even though the insurance is not cheap, if you ever need it and you go on claim, you don't have to be on claim very long to recapture your costs. So that's why I did it, and I recognize not everybody's going to use insurance. All right, you want to go into December?
1: Yes. December is um, gifting and charity, and if you feel like you're still in good fortune and you feel like you want to consider giving to people who are less fortunate than yourself, um, first of all, you can give to your family and friends, right? And the most you can give is 16000 to each child or grandchild or anybody this year. Next year it's going up to 17000 a piece, um, the lifetime gift <clears throat> tax exemption is twelve million in 2022, and it's actually going to be um, closer to 13 million uh, next year. Then gifts to charity. Um, so you can give gifts to charity. This is a little bit more cumbersome, and I know we're we're getting at the end here, but the the charity is actually Um, something that we are it's hard to get a deduction for giving to charity now some of you out there probably don't even care that it's hard to get a deduction you just want to give but bruce what i'd like to do is um, go through and really clarify how could you give to charity and get your deduction if you're under a standard deduction bruce
2: yep after after the break let's go into detail on that and hopefully we'll get the listeners involved as well susie
1: all right. Very good.
0: That number to call right now, if you have a question for Bruce or Peg, is 651 461 Again, that is 651-461-9226. as we continue your money. We have a couple of text questions coming in as we speak, and we'll get to those and perhaps a call as well right after this. It is your money. I'm Susie Jones, along with Peg Webb and Bruce Helmer. And your calls and texts, at 651-461-9226. We have a lot of text questions today. We'll start with one that asks both of you, I am planning to retire in January. Should I be considering changing my date to Peg or Bruce? You guys take it away. Peg?
1: Oh, I'd be happy to help. Um, so should you change your date? Well, hopefully you did some good comprehensive planning before you had even selected that date. Uh, I would say if you feel confident, you know, that you're not going to spend stock market exposed money, you know, when you retire, and I doubt that you will, then, I'd say go for it. I mean, if this is something where you've worked all your life and and you feel like you're prepared, it's got to be the best feeling ever that you say, I am now retired. Now, if you don't feel confident, I think, and if if you're working with an advisor, or maybe you're not, maybe you need to get a second opinion. You know, um, let someone else's eyes look at your situation because depending on how much income you need, Maybe you have a bucket list of all these things you want to do. I certainly would want to go into my retirement feeling really confident that I can live the life I want to live and that my money is going to last for a long time. So my best opinion is if you're not feeling confident, uh, get a second opinion.
2: Bruce, anything yeah, to add? And, yeah. And, so, yeah, I'm sorry, Susie. These things you know, are forecastable. You can do projections. Yes, you're making assumptions and you don't know exactly what will really happen, but you can, we can make educated guesses and they're going to be really, really, really close. So I would tell the texter, if you have not done any kind of projection or forecast to verify that you can retire, then you should do one. And if you don't know how to do it by yourself, and most people won't, then, then seek some professional guidance but I, again, we and we've had the question before, and it's a logical question when we've had, you know, the nine months like the nine months we've just had. But for most people, as bad as it's been, it's not going to change, you know, the, the answer. But the my I know my clients that have planned on retiring this year can still do it. We've we've re looked at the numbers, but we took into account in our forecasting that we know there's going to be bad years like this. We just don't know exactly when they're going to happen or how low they're going to be. But we know there's going to be bad years. And that's taken into account when we do the projections. I I always say, you know, it's easy to make a financial plan be successful if everything goes really well all the time. But in life, that not that what happens, and so a good financial plan will succeed even when life throws some curveballs at you, which it inevitably will do. So thank you to the texture, and those are the kind of questions we want: stock market fear, inflation fear, interest rate fear. Um, you think it's going to get worse? That you know, let's let's talk about those things with calls or texts. But again, I know Peg, you wanted to uh, go back to, to December. The 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 theme of the show today is. We're looking ahead to the fourth quarter and we're in December and we're talking about giving, but you wanted to fine tune and dig a little deeper about giving and being generous, being philanthropic, but also getting a tax advantage for your generosity.
1: Yeah, I wanted to do it because the standard deduction um, is utilized by 70% of the taxpayers. And so if you're giving to charity, and believe me, I review tax returns for my clients, you know, every week. And I notice that they're not getting a deduction for their charity because the standard deduction is 25900 And a lot of my clients are over 65, so it's $27,650. That's the bogey that you have to get over to be able to itemize um, any additional deductions, and, and and because the IRS has made it very difficult to uh, even come up with this 27650 as a write-off, what I encourage my clients to do is, if you're 65, 67, any time before 72 years old, and you're philanthropic, and you're giving money to charities, um, I encourage them to open what's called a donor-advised fund. and and then invest in that fund and you can put securities or you can put cash and count up how many years before you can utilize your IRA as a QCD, Qualified uh, Charitable Deduction. And if you um, add up those years, let's say it's five years and you normally give 10,000 a year and you're not getting a deduction, well then you would get a one-time 50,000 deduction by placing it in this donor advised fund. And then out of the donor advised fund, you can give your 10,000 per year um, out to the charity. And I wanted to mention that, Bruce, because I am seeing, you know, at this, the last part of the year, how many um, charities need help. And our clients are so wonderful in giving to lots of charities. But yet I always walk through, you know, would you like to get the deduction for it? And, you know, sometimes people say, no, nah, that's just too much. I don't, I don't want to do it. But many do once they understand uh, the additional deduction they can get. Bruce?
2: Well, and, and again, it's just our job to help them do efficient economic planning. And, and we admire and we, you know, uh, want them to do the, the, the giving if they can afford to do it but we want them to maximize the efficiency of that giving and there's nothing wrong or inappropriate or greedy or sacrilegious about getting a tax deduction for your generosity i know you and i are both good at doing that in our own lives and we're good at helping clients you know maximize the benefits so yeah a donor advised fund is a wonderful strategy to do that that a lot of people are not aware of. So I'm glad you uh, brought that up. But December does tend to be, for a lot of our clients and myself as well, the month where we do the most giving. And uh, let's just be smart about how we do that giving. All right, Susie, I think we can let listeners drive the rest of the way, either with texts or calls. We'll uh, answer as many questions as we can All right, the we, time we have left.
0: We have Denise on the news line to ask you both a question. Go ahead, Denise. You're on with Bruce and Peg.
1: Hi, I'm here, yes. Um, I have two sisters, and my mom went to um, independent living and transitioned to assisted living. And this year decided she wanted to gift each of us the max for the year, which was $16,000. Now she is moving to long term care, um, which is significantly more. And looking at her, I'm her power of attorney, and looking at her financials, if she lives beyond two years, she will run out and will have to go to state assistance. So my question is how far back do they look? Will we be um, will we have to pay that $16,000 back in order for her to get the state assistance?
2: Hey, Denise, uh, thank you for uh, listening. And thanks for a really, really good question. And this is something Peg that a lot of listeners are, are going to be able to relate to. And similar things are going to probably happen to a lot of our listeners. Talk a little bit about, you know, what happens when you run out of money and you're eligible for Medicare or medical assistance and talk about the you know the look back and how that works.
1: Yeah, so generally, just to keep it simple on this show, it's a five-year look back. So when you go apply for assistance, there's going to be a question on the form, were there any gifts made? And those need to be listed, and if they were within the last five years, then yes. They actually can request, that, that money comes back from the people that um, have, have acquired it. And in some cases, when the parents gift like that, uh, the kids are already educated on the fact that this may go back for medical assistance. Um, and so you've got five years, but there's a little bit more complicated formula exactly, uh, you know, that's five years depending on... But anyway, for general purposes, five years. If you gave money away, you then go f- fill out the forms. They're going to look back five years from when you fill out the forms. First.
2: Yeah, I only really want to add, and, and good luck, Denise. And 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 yeah, hold on to that money. Um, I, I've been out doing uh, speaking engagements again, Peg. In fact, a quick plug: the next couple of weeks, I'm in the Minneapolis-St. Paul metropolitan area, I think five different times over the next couple of weeks. You can go to wealthenhancement.com and find where I am and, and get registered if you want to come out. But we talk a little bit about that at, at the, the, the workshop, the, the seminar that we're doing. And at one of the locations when we talked about the, you know, the long-term care, someone said, well, what happens if you run out of money and you know they just had no they were in, they were at an age or in a position in life where, where they didn't understand you know that you're not going to live in the gutter or live in the street but you're going to be taken care of by um, government assistance Medicaid or medical assistance but for for the government to do that They got to make sure that you paid as much of your own way as you can before they will allow that. So, yes, millions of people are living in senior uh, facilities of some sort in this country, paid for by the government because they didn't have any money anymore. And, you know, I think most people would never want that to be them, but it's the unfortunate reality of, you know, not doing planning. So that's why. You know, earlier in the show in the month of November, we talked about long-term care planning. And, Peg, I'm going to steal your line. I was surprised you didn't use it today, actually. If your plan for for long-term care is uh, to move in with your oldest adult daughter or whatever, make sure she knows because it doesn't work if if she doesn't. But everybody needs to do long-term care planning. Not everybody can or should buy long-term care insurance, but everybody needs to plan for that.
0: All right. Six five one six one nine two two six. A texter writes. Are money market savings accounts a good idea for cash savings right now as opposed to a traditional savings account at your bank?
2: What a good question. Peg, what are you telling your clients for safe money, get the best interest rate rate they can? There's a lot of options. There's treasury treasury bills, treasury bonds, uh uh money markets, uh, bank deposits? What, what, what are you telling people?
1: Yeah, well, the first thing I do is educate the client on FDIC insurance, so Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And that is something where you get a backing by way of if you put deposits in a bank. So when you talk about a money market, that actually isn't FDIC insured. So that might be within a brokerage account. Um, And then you've got these treasuries, which as much as we hate interest rates going up for people who want to buy houses, and Bruce already mentioned early in the show that the mortgage rates have doubled, well, the treasury bills and the treasury notes Um, we have been taking a lot of cash uh, in our accounts that we manage and going and buying, you can buy one, two, three, five year treasury notes today with a yield, you know, somewhere between around 4%. Plus it may be state income tax free. So if clients are in Minnesota, then they don't pay any tax on that. So then the big question there, though, is when do you need the liquidity? Because savings in the banks and money markets give you really instant liquidity. If you're trying to just park money and go back into the market or you want to wait to see if interest rates get higher, um, those would be the most liquid accounts. And then if you do end up buying treasury bonds, Uh, and you buy one for 4% and interest rates go up to five, then if you hold your bond, if it's a one-year bond to maturity, you'll get your money back. But let's just say six months from now, you say, I don't want this 4% treasury anymore. I wanna get that five. Well, then your treasury bond will be discounted to the market. So you may only get 97 cents on the dollar or something back because interest rates are higher at that point in time when you want to um, sell it. So I'm thrilled. Now, I hate inflation, but I'm thrilled that at least our short-term money is making some money at this point. Bruce?
2: That that was such a good answer. I really don't have anything to add. I will just say I am getting emails almost every day from my online bank accounts that they keep on raising my interest rate, which this, again, this is a two-edged sword. Borrowers don't like this higher uh, increase in interest rate, but savers do. So I'm I'm happy to see my my interest rates go up. Susie. All right, six
0: five one four six one nine two two six. If you have a question for Bruce or Peg, a texter writes, I have mutual funds and I was wondering if it would be better now to draw money out of it fourteen thousand to pay off some bills. Or wait till it goes back up. Thank you, Scott. Thanks for listening, Scott.
2: Go ahead, guys. Yeah, thank you, Scott. Thank you, Scott. Um, so, Peg, I'm assuming Scott says mutual funds, but I'm assuming these are mutual funds invested in stocks. But maybe you even want to talk a little bit by about the fact that not all mutual funds are stock. They could be bond funds or stock and bond, growth and income. But based on, on, on how Scott worded the question, I think he's asking about selling stocks low.
1: Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right, Bruce, that mutual fund is just an entity and there could be anything in it, stocks, bonds, you name it. Uh, you know, uh, if you're trying to pay off bills, I would love to know what the interest rate on those loans are because I don't, I'm not necessarily encouraging people right now, if it is in the stock market and we're down 25% that that would be a good idea. Um, I doubt that the uh, borrowing, the percentage is 25%. Now, should you ride it out? Uh, We still have some rockiness and volatility here with the stock market. So um, I think you're going to have to decide maybe it isn't even an all or nothing. A lot of times people think like that. They say, oh, I've got to pay all of it off 14000 or zero. You know, you may want to take baby steps in paying some of it off if it really bothers you. Bruce?
2: I love that answer. I love that, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing. I also love that you said it depends upon the cost of the debt service or the interest rate that you're paying down. But the other thing, Peg, that I would add is, it also may make a difference on how long you've been in the market. So if Scott's only been in the market for a couple of years, and now this retraction this year, he his return may be about flat, or he may even be underwater. But I just had a review this last week with a client that's been with me since 2009, basically started with me as we were coming out of the crash of 2008, and they wanted some money and normally i don't you know i discourage selling of stocks um when you need money when the market's down but even with the retraction they've had this year their accounts were still like double what their basis was so i said look if you you know i ideally you'd you'd wait for some market recovery but if you really want to go do this now and they had They weren't paying off debt. They had something else they were going to do. You're still selling stocks at a gain, and you're locking in the gain. It's not like you're selling when they're underwater, so I wouldn't argue with you too much. And it ended up being kind of a compromise thing like you just suggested. They were talking about doing X, but they ended up doing X minus Y, doing a smaller amount. But I think it made sense in their situation because – being in the market since 2009, they were still way up, and they were locking in gains. So that's going to be part of the equation also. How much are you up or down with this retraction that we've had this year?
0: Susie? Six five one four six one nine two two six. A texture writes, can you do a POD or TOD on a house or property? Maybe explain what those are, and can you, Peg or Bruce? Peg? Yeah, so payable on debt
1: or transfer on death is a way of avoiding probate and listing someone as a beneficiary. And yes, you can do it on your house depending on the county and the state that you live in. So you have to contact your uh, county administrator and just ask the question, can, do you have a beneficiary form for my real estate? Uh, in Minnesota, most of the counties that we, um, that we have lots of clients in have adapted this, uh, and so I highly encourage my clients to go put a beneficiary on their house because we want everything impossible to be able to avoid probate uh, when somebody passes away. Bruce?
2: Yeah, and I'm I'm guessing this is probably the last question we're going to have time for, Peg. uh, There's a specific name for what you're talking about, and I'm drawing a blank on what it is. And I also want to say, and again, I'm not a a lawyer and I can't practice law, but what you're talking about essentially replaces an an, an old strategy that that attorneys use for years and years and years. So if it's applicable... I think it's actually better. And I can't remember if it replaces like quick claim deeds or do you know what I'm talking about? Or is this gibberish to you? I'm, I only got like half of it in my brain and I'm losing half of it.
1: Yeah. I I know what you're talking about. The quick claim deeds. Um, I think that is more so like if the husband dies before the wife and then you transfer it. So this is just, I find this super clean and clear.
2: All right. Very good. uh, uh, Oh, I know. I remember the name. It's it's you know, TODD. It's like transfer on death deed or payable upon oh, death okay. deed. You just add the you add the word deed to the acronym. That's that's what it's called.
0: All right, very good. Guys, we are running up against the clock, but there are more text questions for you. So I want to tell people listening right now, if you did not get your question answered, you can call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, this number, write it down, one 888 advice. 1888 6 Advice. Or you can always email your question, your money at Your money at Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Bruce and Peg, have a wonderful day and we will catch you next time on your money again your money at wealthenhancement.com for questions free consultation available